Welcome to The C-Bomb. This confidence podcast is for real modern day women who are ready to rid themselves of what's holding them back. My name's Rebecca Sparks. I'm a confidence and life transition coach. I'm the founder of The Daily Guru, and I'm your host for The C-Bomb. This podcast tackles all the tricky aspects of lacking self-confidence and is here to help you make some necessary and powerful changes in your life. Each episode, we dive into all the gritty topics which contribute to lacking self-confidence. So if you're wanting to radically improve your self-esteem and overall life experience, then you are in the right place. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to episode three of The C-Bomb. Wow, what a gorgeous week it's been. I'm not sure how many of you already know this, but I recently moved to Seattle, Washington. And before we moved here, anytime we would talk to people about Seattle, we would hear how um, gray and rainy it can be. Um, so we arrived and we were a bit tentative. But this is our first summer here. And oh my goodness, it is just so beautiful. It's literally blue skies each day. And we live on this gorgeous lake, Lake Washington. So each day, my husband and I pinch ourselves that we get to call this gorgeous part of the world home for now. But it's not been all rainbows and sunshines. This move was really hard. In fact, I would say it's probably one of the hardest I've done. And I've done quite a few. And my husband would say the same as well, actually. And he too has done quite a lot. So at 18, I lived um, in France for six months. I moved there for a ski season. At 19, I moved to Nottingham for university. At 21, I moved to London for my career. At 26, I moved to Australia, where I lived for 10 years and met my gorgeous husband. At 35, I moved to San Francisco, where I lived for 18 months. And now at 37, uh, we've moved again to Seattle and hoping that this will be it for a while because honestly, I'm all moved out. And I think that was the reason why my husband and I found it so difficult because we have moved a lot. But this is the thing, traveling and moving to different countries and cities has always been something that I've really loved. And I love it because it brings so much adventure it brings so much newness. Everything is new. There's so much to explore. You get to meet lots of new, interesting people from different parts of the world. You get to do lots of new, wonderful experiences. You get to take a close look at your own life and decide what's working for you and what hasn't been. Because every time you move, you have to consciously decide what your new routines are going to be. So you don't get to move and take all your local coffee shops and all your local yoga studios and all your local friends, to be honest, with you to be there just down the street. So you have to decide what's that going to look like. So it really gives you this like wonderful opportunity to hit the refresh button on your life and to declutter the parts that haven't been serving you. And I've personally found this process to aid so much of my growth over the years, because, for example, before moving to San Francisco and Seattle, actually, my husband and I both sat down and spent time talking about what's serving us, what our goals are and how much our day to day is aligned with that and what we want to improve upon and change in our lives to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. And so we were able to be super conscious and intentional through these opportunities of moving but something I've really noticed, particularly after this last move, and that was the fact that being super conscious and intentional is really important. And it's really necessary to be crystal clear on the direction that you're moving in. 
But there's a third really significant ingredient that needs to go in the mix in order for you to have the success or have the results that you're looking for. And that is self-discipline. Discipline is what makes the difference between your ideas and dreams becoming a reality, becoming an action, because you can move somewhere new and decide, I want to change all these different parts of my life or not even move, just be living where you are and decide you want to have a particular goal that you want to master and if you aren't able to be disciplined to go up against what's uncomfortable and to create that change in your daily habits and in your identity then you're not going to reach that goal or if you are it's going to be a really really difficult journey so that is exactly what I want to talk to you about today on the C-bomb how to become more self-disciplined because self-discipline is the key to building self-trust Self-trust is a core part of us having really consistent, authentic confidence. If we don't trust ourselves, then it is impossible for us to really feel confident in who we are and what we have to bring. And in order to trust ourselves, we must be disciplined. We must know that when we say we're going to do something, we will honour it. Or if we recognise that it's not going to serve us, we need to be disciplined enough to know that we need to say no as well. This is a really, really important topic, which is why I'm super excited to talk to you about it today. So let's get stuck in discipline. The first thing I want to talk to you about with self-discipline is the concept that human beings follow through on who they believe they are. So I'm just going to say that again, because it's a really important concept to understand with what I'm going to talk to you about. Human beings follow through on who they believe they are. If a client says to me, I really want to become fitter and healthier, but I also know that my family just aren't naturally fit and it doesn't come that easy for us. So I know I'm probably not going to be as fit as most people. I know that that client is going to start stop with that goal already straight off off the starting line. And that's because we all act consistently with who we believe we are. And then we work to prove these beliefs to be true with our actions. So if we believe we are a certain way, our actions just go to prove that all the time at a subconscious level. So if you define yourself as someone who is, let's say, timid or withdrawn, you aren't going to be at social functions and be the loud and most entertaining person there because that's not who you believe you are. And that doesn't mean that isn't how you could behave. And that doesn't mean that you couldn't thrive in that space. But at the moment, your identity tells you that's not who you are. And also, if you do become that, it's not going to become natural to you and you're going to get embarrassed and experience pain. So we continue to follow these beliefs about who we are. So if you're someone who sees themselves as professional and serious, you're going to show up and present that version of yourself to the world unless you ask yourself these following really important questions. When did you define yourself to be just that? When did you give yourself this label? How many years ago did you come up with what you could and couldn't do with your life? And how accurate is it in the here and now? I'm going to circle back to those questions shortly because I want to make this point. Most people, these standards and beliefs which they have are guiding their entire life, 
they came up with or were given to them as feedback from people that they cared about when they were children. And these labels have stuck and have become their guiding compass for who they are and what, how they should behave and what they're capable of and what they're good at and what they're not good at, what their strengths are and what their perceived limitations are. And for most people, these aren't true. They're out of date, they're inaccurate, they're keeping them stuck, it's keeping them playing small, and they're not living fulfilling life or reaching their full potential. Now, Tony Robbins shares a really great metaphor which demonstrates this point beautifully. And he talks about the elephant in the circus. So there's this elephant in the circus and it's a baby elephant. And when it first starts being trained, um, they take a big chain and they put the chain around the elephant's um, neck and then they put a, a stake in the ground. So that elephant will pull and tug, um, but the chain's really heavy and the stake's really big and this elephant's only little. So after a while of trying to get away or, or break away, it learns that it's not gonna have that result, that the conditions are too strong for him and, and he's just not gonna be able to break away. Then as the elephant gets older, the chain gets smaller the stake in the ground gets smaller, but the elephant continues not to pull or not to believe that it can break away. And this is because the elephant has been conditioned. And I just want to say, I'm not condoning anything to do with elephants in circuses here. It's just a metaphor, but it's about the elephant being conditioned about what they can and can't do. And in exactly the same way, we get conditioned. It becomes part of our identity. And we believe that's just because of who we are and there's nothing I can do about it. So I want to ask you to take a look at your life and find an area where you have a limitation or maybe a label that you've put on yourself. And I want you to ask yourself these following questions. So if you have a notepad and pen um, available nearby, grab it or on your phone, make some notes. So think of that situation in your life where you have a limitation. Maybe you've put a, a label on yourself that you are a certain way. And I want you to ask yourself, when did you decide to accept this limitation? When did you define yourself as just this? When did you give yourself this label? How many years ago did you come up with what you could and couldn't do with your life? And most importantly, is this accurate now in the here and now with who you are? So often we live our life and we've adapted ourselves to match the identity we created for ourselves when we were little. And we then work to keep this true, to keep ourselves safe and to avoid pain, discomfort and disappointment. And so here is the thing I want you to understand. It's something I absolutely love talking to my clients about. And that is the fact that joy and growth comes when we are spontaneous. So why is that relevant? Spontaneity is a really wonderful way to let your true nature have space to be expressed because when we are being spontaneous, we don't follow the usual process of assessing whether we're capable of doing something or not. We don't use our normal labels to define our actions. Instead, we're really in the moment and just being. And this means it gives us the opportunity to show up and really be who we are and to see what we're really capable of. So spontaneity is a wonderful tool to rid ourselves of our labels in the moment and then observe how we show up 
in our true nature, in the here and now, in the age we are now, instead of following these labels that were created for us when we were much younger and that are now completely out of date. It's really hard to be truly happy when you aren't being yourself. And yet most people have no idea who they really are because they're so busy following and honoring the labels that they were given or they gave themselves. And this gives them little to no room left for true self-expression or growth or exploration into who they are. So whatever people have their identity attached to, this is how we live. Who we believe we are is how we live. That, that's our standards. We live for who we believe we are, and these become the standards of our life. So in order to grow, we must raise our standards by inviting in variety and spontaneity to allow us to explore and access more of our true talents and to then raise our standards and identity to factor in this new information. Because the more you invite spontaneity in and the more you acknowledge yourself in your true nature, really expressing yourself and your talents in the here and now, the more your conscious mind will catch up and recognize that this is actually something you're capable of. So where can you invite spontaneity into your life? Where can you bring this in, some variety, some spontaneity, to start sampling this and seeing what's really there underneath the hood? So let's look at an example of this. If you look at your physical health, how you are in the here and now, the results you currently have aren't because of your goals. They aren't because of luck. They are because of your personal identity and standards and the choices you have made to ensure that you are living in alignment with those two elements. So your choices follow your personal identity and standards. So they are the key principles that are guiding your goals in any area of your life. Remember, the strongest force of human personality is the need to be consistent with who we are. So if there is an area of your life that you're wanting to change, this becomes the key to self-discipline. Our wants don't always get met in life, but we will always find a way to meet our true core needs, our standards, and live to our conditioned identity. So to help you better understand this concept, I'm going to share an example with you around finances. And this is from a client of mine that I worked with a number of years back. So I had this client who I worked with and she had set herself some financial goals. But each year she never met it. So let me tell you a bit about what these goals were. So her goal was to save up for a deposit on her house. She was single. She worked in a really great job. She was earning around 150000 a year plus package. This client had a small amount of uni debt um, remaining that she wanted to pay off. But other than that, she had really quite limited other financial commitments, which meant it was a really great time for her to be focused on savings. This client had around 20,000 in savings, but needed a 20% deposit. So there was quite a long way still to go for her to be able to purchase her first home. She had had this goal for three years before she became a client of mine and before she decided to reach out and get um, coaching support. Now, the issue wasn't the goal. The issue wasn't um, to do with my client's financial commitments. The issue wasn't to do with my client's ability to earn. She was earning more than enough to reach this goal. The issue wasn't to do with her knowledge on finances. She was very financially savvy. The issue was the goal conflicted with her identity. 
So having explored this area together, my client realized she really wanted to buy a house for herself, but deep down, she had this belief that it would prevent her from meeting a partner. My client was from a family where she was the very first person to go to uni and all of her other siblings had stayed living in their hometown, all married by now, had children and weren't that financially independent, um, which meant she felt like every decision she was making around her finances and financial independence was building a gap between her and her family. She had a belief that she had she was getting too big for her boots and they were her words at that time and it would prevent her from meeting the right guy and settling down which she wanted more than anything and she also thought it would prevent her from maintaining her relationships with her family who she loved dearly her identity told her she was getting carried away and she'd tone things down because her success may create barriers between her and her family and her goals her other goals and all of this was keeping my client from meeting her financial goal because, as I've said, who we believe we are drives our behavior. And my client felt a bit like a fraud, someone who was wanting more than she should. And therefore, her actions were mirroring that, meaning each month my client found a reason why she wasn't able to save the money she had intended. Can you see how powerful this can be? I know it might sound overly simplistic, but it's honestly the truth of what holds us back. It's our view on who we are, which guides our decisions and actions. So the key to our self-discipline is to ensure our goals and intentions are aligned with who we believe we are, our standards in life. And if there's a misalignment, it's about taking a look at this key area and asking yourself, does this standard or label I have um, given myself in this specific area of my life, does it serve me? When did I decide this about myself? And what if it wasn't true? What could be true instead? So I'm just going to take you through those questions again, because they were super important to ask yourself if this is something you're struggling with. And that is, does this label or standard I've given myself in this specific area still serve me? When did I decide this about myself? What if it wasn't true? What could be true instead? And then you begin to raise your standard. And here is the key to successfully raising your standard and then matching this standard and, and making sure that you consistently honor it. And that is matching it with new habits. Have you ever had a goal where you have told yourself, I'm gonna get fit, I'm gonna work out every single day and I'm gonna drop that unwanted weight once and for all. I'm gonna feel amazing, I feel excited about this. And then one week in, you've fallen off the wagon and are no longer doing what, what's needed to reach that goal. Does that sound familiar? I'm sure it does because I think we've all been in that situation. This is because you may have raised your standard but you didn't align it with your daily habits to match that goal. And this is another part, a core part of discipline. We all have daily habits, some of which serve us and some of which don't. And so when we have a new goal, it's super important to break these down into bite-sized steps and decide how you're going to integrate them into your life. In work, we do this type of thing all the time. When we were given a new project, we go through a seven step structured process to ensure we're setting ourselves up for success. And this ensures that we stay on track and are able to meet our milestones and meet all the expectations of everyone. 
So what does that look like? Well, firstly, we get clear on what the goal or desired outcome is. What does success look like for this new project you've just been given by your manager? Number two, you then get clear on the timings. When is it due by? Are there any key milestones that you need to be mindful of? So we get crystal clear on the timings. We then find out, step three, what are the additional resources that you have available for you to deliver this project? Do you get any additional um, support staff? Do you get any funding? Do you get any um, tools and training to support you with this? So what additional resources you have available to make sure you're being set up for success? Step four, we then create a project plan of what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and how much time is to be allocated for each task. Step five, we look at our existing projects and tasks and we create, um, we check to see that we can integrate this new project into our existing work. And if we can't, we start making some really important decisions about what needs to be moved, what timelines need to be shifted, and does anything need to be put on pause whilst you're now prioritizing this new project? And we communicate that to those um, affected parties. Step six, we create any KPIs, key performance indicators to track this to help us measure our progress and ensure we keep on track. And step seven, we get started. Sounds familiar, right? This is a uniform process which most teams and organizations would follow to ensure they're setting themselves up for success and that they are aligning their daily habits and tasks with the new goal. Makes perfect sense. So now let's look at what most people do when they start a personal goal. And I'm gonna stick with the fitness um, theme here because it's often one that most people can relate to. So what ordinarily happens when we have a personal goal, so we've raised our standards, we've decided this is super important, we often follow step one and step two beautifully. So we get clear on what the goal and desired outcome is. What does success look like? So that might be I want to drop four kilos, I want to tone up on my stomach and my arms and overall, but they're the key areas that I want to work on. And step two, I want to do this in eight weeks. So that's the timeline, amazing. Most people then jump straight to step seven. They dive straight in, let's get started, meaning they miss the opportunity to align and create all the other new habits, which are gonna set them up for success and ensure that they're able to really deliver on this goal. So now I'm gonna walk you through this process of what that looks like if you're doing it, using this disciplined approach, really aligning your habits. And this is a seven step process which I have created into a planner for you. So if you really like this process I'm going to take you through, which I'm sure you're going to because it creates results. Ultimately, that's the most important part. This creates results. And if you like it, you can download your copy so you can use this with any goal or project or limitation that you're working through in your own life at any time. So it's available to download directly below this podcast. So let's see how differently we would go through this process if we were following the seven step process. So step one, we get clear on the goal or desired outcome. What does success look like? The only thing I would add here is just making sure you are crystal clear on what success looks like. How will it feel? What will it look like? What would you hear at that time? Use all those different senses to really amplify those feelings and make sure that you're super motivated to get started. Step two, get clear on timings when it's due by. Again, the only other thing I would add here is to make sure that these timings are realistic. Now, I'm all for a really good, aggressive timeline. Love it. But if it's actually unrealistic, you are setting yourself up for failure. So it's a fine line. Make sure that it's realistic. That's the most important thing. 
Step three, find out what additional resources you have available to deliver your goal. So if this is in fitness, this might be a personal trainer. This might be finding about out about what gym classes are available that work specifically on the area that you're working on. So stomach and arms, when are they running? Um, maybe you want to allocate some of your weekly budget to this goal. Maybe you want to download some online meal planners to help you track your meals and plan your meals. There's lots of great free resources online. So what additional resources are you gonna use and have available to help you deliver this goal? Step four, create a plan of what needs to be done, when, and how much time is to be allocated to each task. This is so crucial. So what people um, more often than not do is they think, okay, I'm going to exercise five times a week, but they don't think about when specifically am I going to do that? What type of exercise am I going to be doing at that time? How much time do I need to factor in for preparation for that? So that might be um, preparing your gym clothes the night before you go to bed to make sure you've got some clean, fresh gym clothes ready at the foot of your bed just to dive on into first thing in the morning, how long it takes you to drive to your class if that's what you're doing, um, factoring in all those steps so that you're removing any barriers that could get in the way or could cause conflict and stop you from delivering your goal. Think about all of it like your project planning, what needs to be done, when and how much time needs to be allocated. Step five, think about existing projects, tasks, commitments that you have in your life that could conflict with this and ask yourself, can you integrate both or do any changes need to happen to ensure that you can be successful? And you need to get really honest about this because just telling yourself in the moment that you can do it all is not setting yourself up for success if it's not true. So you need to get really realistic. We can have, I say this to my clients all the time, we can have everything we want, we just can't have it all at the same time. You need to choose what's a priority. So decide what's a priority, decide if anything needs to change or be moved, and then make that decision and that commitment. And this is all about building that self-discipline. Step six, create your KPIs, your trackers. So what's success going to look like one week in, two weeks in, three weeks in? These are going to be your milestones to make sure A, you're keeping on track and B, you can celebrate your success, celebrate your wins along the way, which is going to give you momentum and it will help your, um, your internal consciousness recognize that you are becoming disciplined. Every time that you have a milestone that you've set and you complete and then you celebrate that, your inner critic realizes, actually, this is something that you're really good at and you're getting much stronger and it becomes part of your identity, that this is someone who, who is disciplined and that can be trustworthy and that adds to your self-confidence. And then you get started. And this works for any area of your life, whether it's finance goals, starting a side hustle, starting a new business, improving nutrition, working on building mindfulness, you name it. Anything you wish to change or improve upon in your life, this process will help you integrate it with ease and consistency. Now, the thing that I often get asked when I talk to people about this is the fact that it takes up time. 
they say, oh, but it just sounds really long and it's going to take a lot of time. Now, the thing is, the time's going to pass anyway. And what takes up more time is starting goals, not achieving them, falling off and starting again. So actually, that preparation time at the very beginning is key to you actually saving time later. So that's the seven step process. As I've mentioned, I've created this into a worksheet for you so you can use it at any time with any goal that you're working on. It's such a fantastic process. It gives you true results. So I highly recommend you download it just below. And if you have any questions about the process, please email me at Rebecca at thedailyguru.com. And if you would like to explore this further, you could also schedule a free discovery call, which the link will be available below and we can explore this goal with you in much more detail. Thank you so much for joining me and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.